This episode of the Second Floor Podcast is brought to you by ATB. With ATB Cares, giving is easy. Donate through ATB Cares and ATB will match 20% of every dollar donated to eligible Albertan charities, maximizing the impact of your donation. Visit atbcares.com to choose your cause and donate today. So I yeah. think, I think Eric, we're just going to dive into Yeah, it. sure. Let's do it. Yeah. So uh, welcome to the second floor. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah. Thank you for coming. Uh, I know we had scheduled this to do something for a long, a long time. And then COVID happened and all this stuff happened over, over the last couple of years. And um, I wanted to bring you on because, you know, obviously I, I see what you're doing in the marketing space and some of your own personal projects. And it kind of got me intrigued and we, we've been talking. And so uh, I'm excited for this conversation. Yeah. Thanks for having me. It's amazing yeah. to be here. Yeah. yeah so I can't believe how fast that time has gone by in a couple of years, you know, yeah. just like that. And now that we kind of have this in-person we're able to do stuff in person now. I wanted to kind of dive a little deep into not only your story, but maybe we can talk a little bit about marketing and some of the stuff that's going on in, in, in our climate right now. But um, before we kind of get into that, I want maybe you to say a couple words about who you are to our audience and kind of what you're about. So my name is Eric and uh, it's so good to be here. It just feels good to be back in person. Uh, born and raised here in Edmonton. Uh, I have a creative marketing firm named 12 Creative and I have a young family. Two little awesome girls, two in 10 months, uh, and two dogs, which is a little hectic little family here, but as they're growing up, but it's it's fantastic. Um, and yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And and I kind of know you through, you know, some mutual friends and people kind of in the in the marketing space. And I kind of did a little bit of uh, of deep dive on 12 Creative, and I and you're doing some amazing things in the city, man. Like, you know, with your clients and some of the work that you're doing. Um, you know, like talk about how, Hey, like, I'm curious, just, just personally, like how you got into the creative space, how, how did that, how did that, the, the, were you always interested in marketing? Was that kind of, you know, or, or, or did you kind of fall stumble in it by accident? Like, kind of like I did, you know, maybe talk about how you kind of, how that kind of came about. Yeah. I can run into like a little on backstory, I guess, something I could have done in my intro a little bit, you know, born and raised here. Uh, when I was little, my parents had a business in Papua New Guinea, um, and I, I grew up with my my grandparents and my aunt and uncle here. But you know, at age like four or five, they were like, "Hey, let's come come hang out with us and and you know be with the family over there." And I was okay, sure. What happened there was um, when I was about four, I was accidentally kidnapped at that time. Oh, so we can dive into that if you want to want to later. But um, fast forward, I moved back here. You know, went to school here. I grew up in a creative family. My my aunt was a pianist. Um, my my mom and her her dad was an artist. So I kind of grew up in that in that space. And um, but they they you know when they came here they opened a restaurant and so on. And it was no encouragement really. It's very typical. Go to school, get a great job, become doctor, engineer, whatever whatever you know your standard standard um, parents push you to do. Um, and you know at a young age I really loved animals and I I wanted to become a vet. And as I got older into high school, my dad's probably like, hey, you're not going to make it there. So <laughs> here's some here's some books on on like design and uh, and Photoshop. So I started toying around with that in, in high school, like a long time ago. Um, and I loved it. You know, I just loved, you know, designing things, graphic design on the computer. So, you know, throughout high school and just finished high school, I would be designing little websites and flyers and all those things. And, you know, as you were able to do that, there's clients that, you know, friends or family or friends, businesses are like, can you help me here? Can you help me there? Yeah. 
And I found a lot of joy in um, helping people with their business. And, you know, when they were able to grow their business or put something out or uh, get new customers from the work that we've done collaboratively with them, it felt good. Yeah. So I, I, I decided to go into, into that space um, at an early age. And, and I did that. I did computer like software programming and web programming yeah. courses out of high school. Didn't really love the software part of thing. I really, really loved the creative side of things. So that's how it brought me into, you know, the web design space. Um, fast forward, I moved to Vancouver and and took a three month unpaid internship there, um, thinking, you know, being at that time, I think I was 18, you know, Vancouver was amazing. You know, I've never I've never really seen outside of Edmonton, you know, growing up. Um, and I thought, hey, you know, I'm going to go there, get a great internship, uh, work hard and get an amazing paying job, you know. Um, when I'm 18 and this is going to be awesome. You know, I'm going to have a fancy apartment, fancy car, you know, yeah. all your ambitions and dreams when you're 18 years old. Um, but the reality of it is um, when I finished my internship, the company that I was at downtown Vancouver, beautiful view. It was awesome. The office was cool and everything view of the water. Um, and they were like, Hey, you know what, Eric and my manager at the time, Ivan, we're going to shut down this department. Now we're not going to do web design or, or, any of this kind of thing that we were already doing that we had initially brought you on to grow the department with, we're just deciding to just cut back and cut that. And so I was like, oh yeah. So I was like, oh no. So having living in Vancouver um, with no pay for three months, hoping for that really like end goal outcome, it was not there. Mm. Um, which is the reality of life. And you learn that, you know, that that's going to happen. Uh, so then um I, I was just scouring jobs and I was like, there's going to be lots of jobs. This is Vancouver, right? But what also happens is that there's everyone else that's like you coming from all over the world, not just Canada, uh, competing against these jobs, you know, with, with a lot more skilled people, with a lot better edu education. Um, I ended up finding my way to a used car dealership in Burnaby, South Burnaby. Um, mm. You know, your typical used car corner lot, your office is a trailer kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, I applied for what they had at the times update our website, you know, and sell cars. I was like, I don't know how to sell cars. I don't know anything about cars, yeah. but I needed a job. I had nothing. Right. So, um, I, I, I took that job and they liked my, uh, email or resume or phone call, you know, whatever we did at the time, because I, I mentioned something about the car they had on their lot to stand out from the crowd. And I ended up getting a job updating their website or putting their inventory online this was the early days so it's not as simple as it was now mm -hmm. uh, but i was helping them do that and selling cars in the rain pretty much vancouver um half the time the pay was 800 dollars a month plus any commission you made which is not that much wow. off these uh old cars that needed some help and get it boosted just to show a client that's kicking tires, you know, in the rain, but yeah. it was, it was an amazing experience. Um, one, you get to be out there and, um, you know, force yourself, your backups against the wall. So you have no choice, but to learn how to do whatever's in front of you to survive too. Mm -hmm. Um, but I got to meet some great people. I got to learn how to sell, which is a key to life, I'd yeah. say. Um, and you know, the friends and the manager I had there, um energy he's amazing he's still my friend now many 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 years later we're talking 20 years later wow. and and I, I just talked to him yesterday actually the day no before yeah. um so 
you never know. And, you know, after, after that and, you know, doing that for a few years, I decided to move back to Edmonton and pursue back to web design and design again. And I, I did that uh, freelance for a while before um, print and marketing firm picked me up and wanted me to do design there. And I said, you know what? I'd like to go a little more into the sales and marketing role. I know that's important. I can keep trying to do this thing on my own or I can try to, you know, work with a team and learn management and sales and marketing alongside of that. And I took that role and we helped grow um, that company at that time uh, was Rarecom. And we started there with about four people. And I believe we grew to, about, I think there are like, I don't know, 10 to 15 locations across Canada now, but I think we did like 10 at that time. So I was kind of traveling to Vancouver, Kelowna, Calgary, Toronto, helping that, you know, and this was a period of seven years. Yeah. Um, And we, we helped grow that, that company to a franchise and I was able to still, you know, do kind of strategy in terms of marketing and design print marketing. Uh, But I wanted more in, in terms of, you know, at that now, Fast forward to that stage, social media and, mm-hmm. you know, everything else coming to play in terms of marketing too. We couldn't just send flyers out in the mail and expect business because who opens flyers now? Yeah, yeah. Um, and so at that time, I decided, you know, what, I'm going to break away and start my own, you know, creative consulting business. Um, it's probably about 10 years ago now. And I did like, you know, freelance work for a while as everyone always starts off doing. And yeah. as that started to grow, I brought on team members. And, you know, a few years back, we rebranded to 12 Creative and mm-hmm. started to grow our team from there. And that brings me to today. To the present. To the present. Wow. Yeah. Wow, that, the backstory is awesome. <laughs> and, uh, and I guess that's seven. Like you said you were with Raycom for seven? I think it was about seven years. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Great people. Yeah, so yep. I think probably the other seven years were probably pretty crucial for you to learn some of that kind of the strategy and the sales and some of the stuff that you probably didn't know yeah um to, to kind of get you you know with you know now taking that experience and bringing it on to to, to 12 creative for sure like yeah. everything in print is either i need this yesterday or it's a fire to put out or it's a very fast-paced environment i found yeah which also sets the the, the, the precedence that everything else like when you get, after you get out of that everything's kind of not as fast paced, you know? So I found that to be pretty good. You you learn how to either put out fires or get things done, be really resourceful, um, help clients one-on-one. Um, and that really helps you move forward. But I think what's most important about this whole experience and everything you do in life is the network that you build, the friendships that you meet, and, and those still carry forward to today. Yeah. Yeah. Especially the network. I think the network is huge. Yeah. Um, especially in the, in, in if you're in the same industry for, you know, long period of time, uh, you know, making those connections and kind of those partnerships can kind of go a long way. Um, and, and, you know, talk to me about like the, you know, cause a lot of people, you know, especially I know now it's hot, you know, being your own boss and entrepreneur and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, for you, was that jump from Rayacom to doing your own thing? You know, how was that transition like? Because I, I have, a range of of different experiences from other entrepreneurs such as yourself and 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 people that are doing many different things and and their experience is all kind of different mm-hmm. so i'm curious to to know like when you decided you know what i really want to take the leap and kind of do my own thing what what was that transition like yeah and you know what it's like being your own boss and you know running your own business too yeah. um it's different for everybody like you said but i took the leap primarily not because i didn't like 
what I was doing at the time, but I wanted to try new things. But in my mind, I wanted to build an environment and a team my own way um, and not be restricted. Not not saying that environment is bad by any means, but I wanted to do something a little bit different. Um, what you find is the dream of what people see is like, you know, being an entrepreneur is you can work when you want. You can do whatever you want. You'll have all the money in the world. But it's quite the opposite. You actually work more than you ever have. For many times, you know, you, you make less than what you <laughs> could have made at a cushy salary job. Um, you end up, you know, maybe you're not working for your boss anymore. You're your own boss. But I find that I'm working for my team. I'm working for my team. I work for them versus the other way around. Uh, and you have to consistently be thinking about that. Um, the transition was hard at first. A lot of scary, you know, when's my next project coming? Mm. Um how do we pay taxes? How do I get clients? All of those same things. You know, the, tomorrow is not guaranteed. That paycheck is not coming unless you go out there and, you know, hustle or, or do sales or um, whatever that may be to survive. And that's scary. Then you then you get to a point where like, it's rolling. It's good. I'm going to bring on my first employee, my first team member. Mm. But then it's scary because you're like, how am I going to make payroll? How am I going to make that money to make sure that they get paid? Because I'm responsible for that person, their family, what they bring to their household. If I don't do well and I don't put in the time, it's affecting them as well, right? And I have to worry about that. Um, and that grows. And every time I bring on someone new, I have that same feeling. Uh, and I don't know at what point where it gets easier. But we have a team of 10 now. Uh, 10 plus with subcontractors and all that. And I still have that feeling. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. still scary uh, as you grow and it never, and things, ha you know, we're in the, you know, client services type industry. Um, so it, it's never really consistent and things could change. And we yeah. all know in a heartbeat when something like COVID happens, yeah, it shifts just like this. Yeah. And um, you have to learn how to pivot. Um, and it was a hard, it was a really hard time. And I had to tell my team at that time, listen, more than half our clients' businesses are shut down and we're not getting paid. Uh, and it's going to be tough for the next little while. Yeah. Um, but we did our best to pivot and kind of move forward from that. So yeah, I think, I guess, in a, in a nutshell is that you have to be prepared to work. And, and there's different ways of running. If you decide to just freelance or, you know, have a business or whatever type of business that may be and work the hours you want to work and you're just happy with, you know, that, that's completely fine. Um, you choose your hours kind of thing. But if you decide to build a team and build a company and grow, there's going to be a lot of energy, effort, countless hours, you know, you know, 12 hour days, every day, seven days a week kind of thing yeah. for many years to, to, to come. So I'd say you expect that. Yeah. Expect nothing in return until you get to a certain point where, you know, things are actually clicking and, and kind of working. Let's just roll with that. So. Yeah. Yeah. But, it, but it sounds like too, like the decision from, from doing your own thing, I feel like that, like you were all in. You, you have to I mean? be all in. Yeah. You have to be all in. Whereas a lot of people get stuck on the unknown of like, do I, can I do it? You know, is this the right time? Maybe I should wait. And, and for me, it was the same way. Like when I, when I transitioned it to doing my own thing, not that I, I was like, okay, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. But when COVID happened and uh, the agency that I was with, you know, they dispersed and they, they laid everybody off. Mm -hmm. And then that was like a sign to me. I was like, okay, I could go get another job and I could be talking about this, 
production company that I want to do and et cetera, et cetera. Or I can, I can try in the worst time possible, you know, COVID, you know, like, you know, nothing's happening and whatnot. But I was like, okay, if I don't do this now, it's, it's just a, I'm just talking about this for years and trying to prepare and get myself to feel good about like, okay, now it's the right time. So, right. Yeah. You know, and even then, like, and I know, you know, just some people in my circle who, you know, you know, some, some, some who want to take that leap, you know, but they're like, oh no, I'm not sure about this yet. I'm not sure about that yet. But it sounds like when you took that leap, it was like, Hey, I'm all in like 12, you know, I'm going to go into my own thing. I'm going to freelance and I'm going to just figure it out as the days and the months kind of roll by. Um, and you kind of push through, you know, you know, the crap, if you will, yeah. just kind of like the noise. And I feel like some people get a lot caught up in that. For sure. And, yeah. you know, there's there's different thoughts I had at that time, too. And it resonates now. And I think we're very blessed being here in Canada. And, you know, from my personal experience, I have my family around. Um, so in my mind, I was like, you know, if if everything was to fail, could I you know, move back home and live with mom and dad? Mom, can, will you take me in? Said, yes. Okay, sure. So can I get a job at, you know, anywhere, McDonald's or whatever, worst, like worst case scenario? Okay, yeah. I could probably do that. You know, would I be able to survive? So you know, I wait out like, you know, what's a worst case circumstances? You know, at that time, I, I had no family to support or any of those things, just myself. Yeah. So it was the right time for that. But I think you're right. Nothing is, there's never really the best time, you know, sometimes circumstances like COVID kind of are a sign that for you to take that leap at that time. Yeah. And I'm sure you're glad you did now, right? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> um, but talking to, you know, young entrepreneurs, a lot of people come to us when, let's say they were starting their business and it's always like a side hustle at first, right? Whatever business that may be, um, they're like, you know, we need whatever we need, branding, marketing and so on. Can you help us? And just like a little bit of consultation. And a lot of times like, you know, what are you doing now? And like, oh, I have a great job, but I want to do this because it's my passion. You know, this is what I love to do. The mm. job is not fulfilling. And I said, you know what? They do it for a while, which is great. It's good to have that transition period. But I would say, from my personal experience, go all in, you know, go all in. You won't regret it because, you know, your your job or another job is generally always going to be there, right? Unless you have, you know, circumstances you have to follow. But if, if this is your passion and this is what you love, why don't you go all in? Mm -hmm. You know, if you don't put 150% into something, how would you know if it works or not? Mm -hmm. And 100% of those people, I can think of more than a handful that came to me at this time and just thinking about their businesses now, they've all went all in. And they're all super successful at their business and they've grew their what was at the time a side hustle. Yeah. Now an amazing, very profitable, great business. And they're not looking backwards, you know? Yeah. Because um, they put that, you know, when they put their energy and action into that, everything flows into yeah. that versus, you know, being half into something, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I'm curious, kind of pivoting a little bit is, you know, like a lot of people, haven't found that passion yet mm. you know they're in a space they're working you maybe they have you know a young family and they are exploring their options right and seeing what you know they've had some interests here and there but they don't know but they're not happy in the current position that they're in right you know what would you say to that person who's you know trying to figure it out maybe has you know some responsibilities some people to take care of some kids to take care of but they want to take that leap they don't know where to start 
you know, and they don't have that thing of like, yes, this is design is what I've always wanted to do, or real estate is what I've always wanted to do. What would you say to that person? How do they get started in figuring it out? And yeah. how do maybe you can provide some experience from your own end? Yeah, this is this is a great question. Um, thanks for asking that question. I think like, yeah, I think um, this is very common. A lot of people don't know what their passion is, or they have multiple hobbies or multiple things they liked or or did like at some point in time. It could be going back to like your childhood. Like when I was young, I loved skateboard skateboarding. You know, that was something I really loved. And, and someone reminded me of that yesterday. That's why I bring it up. But it's different hobbies that you may have. So I think the answer to this is you can dabble, you know, you could dabble on some and on, on multiple things. You know, maybe you're a baseball card collector. Maybe you like you love hockey. Um, maybe you like designing. Maybe you like um printing designing t-shirts whatever that may be you can dabble in multiple little things and see how that goes and 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 then see what works and what doesn't work for you sometimes you think that you love something and you're in it um a lot of people you know go to university and decide what they want to do and they've been told what they love their whole life and they love let's say call it accounting and then they get into the workforce and like, this is not what I want, you know, and, and I don't love this. And, yeah. but that's the same as, you know, quitting your job and starting your own business. You might not love that, but what's important to know now, especially with what we have now in terms of like technology, you know, social media, you know, being able to be connected with the world through like zoom and Google meet and everything. Um, you could try multiple things. You can connect with others. You can love what you do. Or you, you don't like it. You don't have to be, it's not infinite anymore. You can yeah. try for a while, not like it, close up that shop and start a new one and do something different. Yeah. Um, and to find time to do that, I know it's super tough because, you know, like people, everyone's like myself, you know, they may have kids and they're busy. They may have only a couple hours at night. Yeah. Um, but you're tired by the time, you know, by the time kids go down, you're tired and, you know, it's not the same as maybe you have to just find that time. You know, can you wake up an hour earlier that day? You know, can you go to sleep an hour later instead of taking a lunch and going to sit at a restaurant or hang out with friends? Can you work on that, you know, idea, side hustle, blocking out time for those things, which is self-care time, you know, yeah. which I think is important. I know you talk about that a lot, you know, on the pod is, yeah. you know, for, for your own, you know, mental health and self-care to block out that time for that hobby or passion that you're maybe love or trying and put it into your schedule yeah um, because if it's not in your schedule it's not you're not going to do it yeah yeah, yeah. and I, I agree with that i think at a certain point you just have to block off that time you just have to you know and i always say this in, in other episodes too it's like you know take some time to sit by yourself yeah you know, you know take out a pen and paper or or, or a, a journal or whatever whatever you know means and just sit down and just think about it and, and i feel like we don't have like a lot of people get distracted with a lot of things that they need to do on a daily basis. They just don't find time for themselves. This episode of the Second Floor Podcast is brought to you by Edmonton Community Foundation. The foundation acts as a bridge between donors and charities to create a strong, vibrant community for generations to come. You can start an endowment fund yourself or with a group. Once it reaches $10,000, it can start distributing. Vital Signs is an annual checkup conducted by Edmonton Community Foundation in partnership with Edmonton Social Planning Council to measure how the community is doing. This year's focus is on millennials. To learn more about the Edmonton Community Foundation, go to ecfoundation.org. 
I think you said it so well, and I want to repeat it here, is that you went on a trip recently, right? Yeah. To Dubai. Yeah. And you were really ingrained on your, you know, every day into your business and just grinding. Yeah. You're taking phone calls and grinding and you we're pretty much working for our clients, as you know. Yeah. yeah. They pick up the phone, we're there, you know? Yeah. Um, but when you when you went on that trip, I think you had like that high bird's eye view you know, away yeah. from the day to day. Did What happened there? Do you like have a lot of realized, like, you know, revelations? Yeah. Like, yeah, it just felt like, you know, all the creative ideas that I had the where, where before when I was that kid in the basement who was just thinking about ma- making videos for myself or music or, or any of these creative endeavors, I had the time to think mm-hmm. about these things and it was free flowing. You know, now that I'm, you know, I was so busy over the last couple of years and then taking that break, not thinking about, the day-to-day, all those ideas started to rush in the way my process of, of coming up with new ideas and doing those things, it all rushed in when I'm sitting on the beach in Dubai or in the cafe and talking to my friend and, and just having, being relaxed. And you forgot those ideas were there. They kind yeah. of still got, got suppressed, right? Or put away somewhere, locked in. Exactly. Um, when they came back, it feels good. And then since you got back, was it much better for the business? It was just, cl- yeah, it's just, even just personally, maybe not for the business, but personally, I felt um more clarity right that, that was the biggest thing is I, I feel more clear and and confident of my next you know five or ten moves or whatever i want to do um for the business and personally and understanding that and, and and spending that time and i think and it doesn't even have to be a vacation right it doesn't have to you don't have to travel across the world or go to mexico or dubai or whatever but i just feel like even i stopped doing that where i would take a couple days not look at my phone not look at excel sheets not look at the computer and just you know maybe have a coffee or just do something completely different out of my normal routine which dubai was mm-hmm. i can't go on i can't talk to my team i can't go on the laptop i can't talk to clients because it's they're you know we're 12 hours ahead right i'm forced to do something completely different i'm forced to just to take a walk or, or do something different you're forced to be present i was forced to be present yeah. exactly and that's a beautiful way of putting it and 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 then that's when ideas started to flow again and i missed i missed i missed that process so uh, and i think well that's exactly what you're saying is just take that time whether that's an hour in the morning whether that's an hour during lunch break or whether that's you know some time just for yourself and it doesn't have to you don't have to put a pressure of trying to figure it out yeah but it's more so just letting ideas flow and just kind of leaning towards your interests or hobbies or whatnot so yeah for sure you know a small thing that i do what i try to do it's not perfect is kind of journal Right. Mm. Right. Put those goals down on paper, put the ideas down on paper, you know, reverse engineer them. And I make sure I try to do that in the mornings, you know, before the hecticness of the day starts, before the phone starts ringing, you know, even before you check emails. Once you check emails, that could just go on forever. Right. Yeah. It just never stops. Yeah. <laughs> um, I know that. You know, and now there's everything, you know, we're talking about you know, Slacks, LinkedIn, message, everything, every kind of messaging system is, is pinging you. So, you know, writing that down, you know, being clear of what that is and yeah. why you're doing like what you're doing, you know, there's a, having a purpose and knowing what that purpose is yeah. really aligns your day. And then being away, I know it, it was tough, you know, during COVID, but like people like to go to the gym or, you know, going for the, now that weather's getting beautiful, going for a run or just spending some time outdoors yeah. and it just opens up that clarity. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I, and I, I kind of want to, you know, talk about maybe just pivoting back to the, you know, you know, for us, you know, you know, you know, brown people, immigrants, you know, the, the typical field is not the creative 
field, right. you know, or the marketing field or whatnot. So I'm curious to know, Eric, like, did you have any, you know, any struggles with, you know, convincing your parents about the path you're about to take or was there some support there? Was there not no support there? Like, and did you just have to go through and just say, I'm going to do this no matter, you know, what my friends and family say? Like, was, was there any of that when you were pursuing this because if you were going into engineering or or you know the the typical blueprint oh, parents path, would be celebrating <laughs> be, yeah so maybe talk about that was there any backlash um you know i'm very lucky uh, my whole like support system around me um didn't push me particularly of course they'd be like you know they hear it from their friends and their friends kids are like they got into school they got into engineering they got into you know pre-med or whatever whatever it is that they're friends yeah. you know but my, my my parents um and i'm very grateful for them and i think they you know they've had a, a time in their lives where you know it wasn't super easy so they're just grateful to be you know here and as well um I, it allowed me to also they, they were okay with what i did so mm. um as long as i'm happy and i wasn't you know what's to call it like lazy right yeah and i was doing something and trying something and if that didn't work out i would try something else and i was continually putting one step forward uh, even if you take two steps backwards take three steps forward the next time you know yeah. um they were they're really supportive that way and yes the, you know there's times where it's like oh what is he doing is this going to work out for him or not and you know my dad who's a little bit more traditional and harder in a sense than let's say my mom was we'll just wait and see so there's times where he's like, okay we'll just wait and see and you know, when your dad like doesn't say much, he's thinking about something and he's like, you know, but as years went by, slowly those approvals started to happen. Yeah. But um, there was no there was no major backlash. I'd say uh, I was very grateful that they were very supportive all the way through. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's good. I I just wasn't sure because I yeah. know it's different for everyone. Some some people have yeah. that like, oh, you got it. Like you yeah. can do it. And then there's some people that are like, no, you should yeah. not go that way. You need to go this way. Oh, Let's get you back. Almost not in sense of your like, you know, um, your standard. Which it's more like they are were entrepreneurs too their whole lives, um, and they're like, "Are you sure you want to do this? This is not an easy path by any means, and I don't want my life, you know, to be what your life is." Mm-hmm. You know, when I was young, and they have they had a restaurant business. Mm-hmm. That's typical a little bit here now, and and they have a catering business now, and I was like. You know, what if I take over that business? You're like, listen, no matter what you do, you're not doing this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, it, you know, it's it's a it's hard work and yeah. you know not super rewarding all the time. Yeah. Um, so they were almost saying, you know, maybe you should make a different, easier life doing. You know, but then I end up going down this path, and I wouldn't turn back now. You know, I, I yeah. love what I'm what I do now, and yeah. you know, we can only control the present and future. Yeah, for sure. And it's funny because you and I have that in common, where my parents are also entrepreneurs as well they have a tailoring business in in st albert right they've ran that for the last 30 years um i'm curious to know has what your parents have done over over their you know their life and their careers uh in their business has any of that translated any skills or anything that your parents have taught you maybe on the entrepreneurial side or maybe it it reflects into design or, or or marketing has any of that translated in or was it you know, your parents were just like, no, stay away from this and you figure it out on your own. Yeah. The one, the one, the one big takeaway from my family, especially my mom, you know, sweet lady, um, you know, and we're not like, they're not like, I would say, oh, they're uber successful entrepreneurs by any means. You're standard, you know, mom yeah. pop shop. But one thing that I learned from mom is just, you know, building friendships, relationships, um, 
what she's really, really good at is just knowing what the customer likes and just being authentic and building a long term. Like we have people who approach us now, you know, not, not really so much out and about now, but like there's been, where they ate at our restaurant 20 years ago and they still know my mom by name. My mom still knows them by name. Wow. There's a little thing she does when she, when we do catering, um, usually, you know, let's say the receptionist or admin, they order the food, but the management staff gets to, you know, enjoy the food for their meeting. But the, you know, she always comes and she always packages a special package for the admin team up front or the people who get the order, um, a bunch of treats or whatever that may be. She gets to know what they like because they talk to her on the phone and yeah. she remembers all these little details and will always bring that same thing back to them. Yeah. Um, so I think it's the empathy and service and, you know, just the kind candor that, my mother has towards others and she's always had that i hope i got some of that and i'm yeah. able to bring that towards you know our clients or my circle yeah. yeah no that's that's amazing and i think those little details go that much further you know especially in our business especially in client services or or, or just the servicing industry in general that little thing those clients will always remember and like you said 20 years later they're still coming to that restaurant they still know your mom by name like those things are are, are, are kind of everlasting right? it's a little things when like you know, eating in a restaurant, you know, I had experience recently, I went to the restaurant, we go to the same family restaurant, we do um, kind of every week, every couple of weeks. And when the waiter or waitress comes, and when I come in again, say, would you like that same drink again, I can have it ready for you. Just remembering the little things, mm. oh, that goes such a long way. Yeah, yeah, I, I know what you mean. Yeah. I, I, I think that's, and I think, you know, even in the marketing space, and I want to get into this now that, you know, just from my experience, you know, I've worked for an agency for a couple of years. Um, you know, you obviously have a ton of, ton of experience and, and seeing kind of the landscape change a lot from, you know, the, the old school print to now a lot heavy on digital. You know, I'm curious to know, like, there's so many realms in this, in, in this, in this industry, you know, with marketing, you take, you know, video, web design, graphic design, you know, some people cater to all, right? How do you kind of navigate through the the, the changing uh, environment that marketing is? Because it seems like every year there's a new platform that businesses have to get onto. There's something new. There's a new strategy. New trend. New trend. <laughs> um, and as being us being in this industry and seeing it and always like being a part of it and having to adapt and pivot, you know, how, A, how, how have you done it? And, and B, uh, is there is is there anything that you kind of stick to and say you know what no matter what changes no matter the, how the landscape changes this is kind of what what we, what we stick to because we're good at it you know what what is that for you for us as a company what we stick to when I say we're a marketing agency I always use the word we're a creative marketing agency um, we're a creative first team because all our well all everyone on our team even account managers or whoever it is they are very creative people. Um, so we're, I always say we're a creative first team. So what we really stick to is that, you know, creative thought process and branding, you know, building what we're doing right now is branding. This is branding for you, for the pod, for everything, right? Yeah. Um, we stick to that as a foundation. But what I think what's important is, yes, every it's very important to know what's happening and what's changing and what's trending because we need to be on top of things. And that's why clients hire us. Yeah. Um, but it's getting to know what works for them. So every every client and every business is different. So... Not not every business is going to be super successful, on, let's say, on TikTok. Not every business is going to be super successful on, let's say, you know, print media or flyers or traditional out-of-home advertising. You know, um, it's different for every business. So yeah. 
we kind of stick to the guns on what's working for them. Um, but also dabble, like I said, dabble earlier on some of the newer things yeah. and see how that works out. Um, mm. I'm not always saying spend more money here and let's try this and just keep like, you know, shooting into the forest and trying new things. It's let's, let's put a strategy towards it, try for a bit, agree on that, maybe shift some of the budget and allocation over and then see how that works. Mm-hmm. Um, but what's really important is to know when it comes to all these different platforms and yeah. everything is where it's at, it's where are the customers at? So if your customers are not, you know, on TikTok, let's say, which they probably are, but let's just say they're not, right? Um, then then why are we there, right? Um, if your customers are not on a certain other platform or through a certain other medium, if your customers are not, you know, driving cars and not, why are we buying a big billboard, right? Or whatever that case is. Yeah. Um, but what I, what I found to be true is that most people have different segments of customers, so you'll have some customers that are on Facebook. You'll have some customers that love surfing Instagram, some customers that are listening to the radio and seeing a billboard while they're driving to work, and some other customers um, that love the in-person experience. So, you know, exper- you know, having a great experience in your store, at your coffee shop, whatever that may be, yeah. is that we're so lucky now because of the different um, media mediums out there and technology is that we're able to adjust the messaging for every medium yeah so we it's important to speak to that age group demographic whatever that may be in a certain way um and you can tailor it for each of those segments Mm. um and you can test and see how that works versus even as you know simple as 10 15 years ago whatever that may be you had one chance to put out a tv commercial with the one message yeah and or a, a print ad in a magazine or newspaper and then you would hopefully that message you know hits it and then you run with it and, and we'll see how that goes. Where now maybe your your magazine ad is different than your Instagram ad. The video that you're running on TikTok is going to be different than what you're running on Instagram. Yeah. You know, what you're putting on LinkedIn as a company is different than what you're putting out on, you know, your mailers. Yeah. Yeah. And we're able to really target and hone into who your audience is um, and, and change the messaging for them. What do you say to a client when they're like, oh, Eric? You know, that much for a video? That much for a brand guy? <laughs> like, what? What? Like, it's just a video. You're just recording. You know, I get a lot of that. Like, I get a lot of, not a lot, but there's certain clients that don't understand the, the value that we bring or kind of the behind the scenes, and they might not know what it, what that kind of the production entails. Um, and so on your end, you know, what, what do you, how do you navigate with a client that's a little bit harder on the, you know, kind of the, the price point and trying to justify the value that you bring? Yeah, I think that's a fantastic question. Um, and we get that a lot. And I, I wonder that a lot myself too. Yeah. Uh, but you know what, when they say that's, that's, that's too much, depending on the client, it's so different. You know, I'm just using random, a hundred, a hundred bucks could be too much for a client. You know, and then, you know, a hundred thousand bucks could be too much for a client. And yeah. and, the, and the spread is, especially in video, I, I see the yeah. spread so, <laughs> so, so much. Yeah. But I think uh, one, you set, you set what works for you, right? Um, not for where they work for the client. What works for you most of the time, starting, starting with that. Uh, how I show them value, it has to be a fit first. So value, there's no reason for, if they're really set that like, you know what, you know, $1,000 is completely out of my price range because I just don't have that right now or I can't reach for it, then there's no point of really explaining the value. But if 
if there the value was there, they should be able to, you know, find resource to make it work. If they know the ROI and the outcome is is you know, let's just say you're shooting a video, which which you do, and you're shooting a promo video for a company yeah. that helps them bring in new clients, and they're like, you know what, um, one thousand is just it's really stretching it. It's too much, right? But on the other side of things, when you put that amazing video that you you do <laughs> put it out there, they run it out as an ad on Facebook versus a regular static ad. They're able to get twenty, thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars worth of clients and a lifetime value back. Yeah. So is that thousand dollars worth twenty, thirty thousand yeah. dollars? You know, what's the ROI on customers coming in for them versus? not that's what there's a reason why they're calling you in the first place right yeah, yeah. um so i explained to them what the what the outcome is and we have to work on that together yeah and i and i also like to involve them sometimes in the creative process too so they become you know their hands are in there too they see the value of being involved and having a vision and then you both executing the vision together yeah um or just showing other case studies of what's worked for for in the past you yeah. Know? Yeah, yeah, yeah yeah um but you have to you have to find out what works for you. You know, yeah. there's always going to be too much. Yeah. But I've also find if you price too little, that it's also a negative thing too. So mm. if you're going for work, and people don't always bring that up, you're going for work, and we are in this process all the time, and we're pitching projects, and I don't know where to come in at the number because they don't want to, you know, let's say talk about their budget. I'm worried I'm going in too low because they're not going to go for the the low either because if everyone's pitching we'll call it 50,000 and you come in at 10. Yeah. They're thinking something's wrong with you. Of course. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. um there's there's you have to find that happy medium. Yeah. Um and work with clients who want to work with you. Something I've learned, you know, if we have a lot of young, you know, creatives listening to this, which I know they do, is there has to be a right alignment and fit for the client. I know it's yeah. really hard because you're like I need this client to eat my next meal or to pay my staff, take care of my family, whatever that may be. But every time we've kind of, you know, bent over backwards or went around or did something that we really didn't want to do just for the sakes of getting it, it never works out to be amazing in the end. Uh, yeah. It always becomes more painful. Uh, the client's more, you know, either troublesome, troublesome or you don't feel good about the project in the end. And then that doesn't relate to fulfilling creative work. Yeah. Um, every time we've kind of chose to do it. So you have to choose your clients that... Um, are right fit for you have the same values have the same vision yeah uh, if you have a negative feeling about that client up front and they're trying to grill you on price or if they, even on the other side if they're willing to pay you a lot of money yeah and you're like, this is oh it's a, this would really set me up for months ahead if i just took this client but sometimes there's a gut feeling that mm. there's something going on with this you know not that they won't pay you but you know um yeah it'll be troublesome you know like yeah, it's gonna yeah. be a, a a hard process yeah it's not worth it yeah so how long so do you take your uh, during i guess the discovery process if you will do you take that do you take you know quite some time to kind of figure it out and make that decision before you leap into a project does that is there is there you know a couple of weeks involved you know or is it you kind of you know after a first you know first couple of meetings you kind of have an idea of yeah, this might be a good fit or no, this might not be a good fit. Like, is there? Yeah, yeah. I think it's there are two points I can make on that. One, because I've been doing it for a long time, just going back to, you know, um, my previous work as well, is me just meeting a lot of clients and, and getting a personality feel and read of how they are, yeah. you know, 
if if I need this tomorrow or I need this yesterday kind of thing is the first thing out of their mouth, it could be a bad bad sign. Yeah. Um, but there there is those type of things that work out really well as well. Um, it's something that comes with experience, knowing them um, and seeing what works, you know, and and what aligns. Yeah. Or or sometimes it's and not every client has to align with me, you know. You know, some of our clients work with you know angels right here behind our behind the scenes. Uh, some other clients work with other team members of ours, and um, it they they align better with them yeah. or their values or mission, whatever that may be, aligned better with them and they're a better fit. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So so that's something that you have to 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 figure out with experience and yeah. then you get to see if it's a fit or not and we we do decline projects as well yeah. and and we have been more so recently um and even when when it's scary to do so because we find that's the right thing on the second side of it is when you start learning about what you do really well let's just say you shoot videos for restaurants for example um or weddings whatever that may be you start to figure out what the process is where the values are you almost um productize or systemize a service you know um and when you're able to do that and you know that you do this really well and you have a 10-step process that works and you you become entrenched in that particular industry let's say you know restaurants in and out you know what customers like to see you know what gets them to come in and you know buy or drink more or whatever that may be and you know you can tell that story through that video because you've done it so many times you know what works and what doesn't you become an expert in that niche at that point in time, you're able to kind of set a benchmark and a cost and a package together. Yeah. So you're not reinventing the wheel every time for the client because, or for any type of client comes in. So let's just say you do restaurants business uh, stuff really well. You're able to charge, you know, X amount of dollars because that's your benchmark. Now, you know what works, you know what it takes, you know where you need to be profitable. If I come in, I'm like, hey, I have a medical spa. Can you shoot my things for well, my, my, it's a very easy yes or no. You know, yeah. I'm really good at doing this. This is my price. Um, and when I'm a restaurant coming into you and it's like, and, and I'm like, well, how much is the video? And you're like, and I had a thousand dollar budget. Let's just use those round numbers. Yeah. And you're like, no, I started at 10 grand because of this. And here's the case studies that I've done for the other places that have been really successful. And it's 10,000 for this. And here's why it is like this. There's no negotiation, no in between. So yeah. you actually save the time of what you talked about earlier multiple discovery calls we used to do that we used to do horse and pony show the whole time what's your budget they're like and they always say this well my budget is flexible if you provide more then my budget's higher <laughs> i'm sure you've heard this too right <laughs> yeah, yeah my budget could be here or there if i see the value in it then my budget my budget uh can go up or they or they try to do something like we'll do this project at first for this month dollar if it works I'll hire you again and you'll get paid this much more in the future. Yeah. I'm sure everyone, everyone's the heard future. that. The future. Yeah. Or I'll tell a bunch of my friends about you, right? Yeah. But when you become an expert in your field and we go back, let's call it restaurant videos again, you're so confident. This is what I do. Yeah. This is the price. There's none of that horse and pony show. Yeah. If that package and price is not for them, then you're not wasting their time. They're not wasting your time. It works yeah. out great. So that's another way to look at it. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's very tough to look at it that way, especially for, you know, freelancers, you know, guys that are kind of doing their own thing um, until you get to a point where you feel like you're OK that if this client doesn't work with you. You know, I feel like a lot of creatives will bend, bend over backwards to get that client because, like you said, they have to feed themselves or, or whatnot. And, I, you know, I feel like I've gotten to a point 
where, you know, I have a handful of clients that I love working with and they love working with me, but there was ne- like the negotiation on price was never the main factor of a make or break. It was, Hey, this is what I'm looking for. Can we do this? Can we do that? What does this look like? How can we work it together? And, and price was always kind of the, the thing that not came last, but it was, it wasn't the main like make or break of like, you're going to work with me or not. And I feel like sometimes if that's the case, then it might, like you said, it might not be a good fit. Yeah. You hit it. You hit it on the mark. Exactly. Actually, one of my team members sent me a little meme yesterday. Uh, Mickey sent this to me and she was just, it was a little meme that said price project price, $500. And it was, we hold your hand we're putting your, our whole lives in your, um, in, in, with your, you know, well, we need you to do this or we're going to die. You know, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, there's the paragraph long of, you know, and then project price 50,000 below. Thank you. Money sent. Yeah. 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 yeah and yeah. it's strange, but that is, it's the realest of the real. <laughs> it is, it is, yeah. It it's, it, and it, it really, it really is that, but yeah, we, we actually train, um, young designers or, you know, I'm saying young in terms of age, but let's say uh, new freelancers or smaller companies, or whatever stage, and we we have we host like some workshops and so on. Um, and we always go into about niching. I go into niching down and productizing the service because that's something I really wish we did earlier on as well. The first little bit is always, and this is what my mentors always tell me too. The first little bit's really hard. You are saying no to clients you really need. You're saying no to some of your current clients asking for more work, and you're even firing some of the clients that are not really a fit. And that's really hard, right? Yeah. Uh, in those case scenarios, you might want to pass them on someone that works better for them. But once you get past that little hump and you, you realize what your niche is, what your package is or whatever that may be, then those clients will start coming to you automatically. And it goes from like here to start kind of a little bit, a little bit of a hockey sticking. Um, and when you become the expert in your field, people start coming to you for that and lining up versus being general and you do everything but that first little bit is really really hard yeah 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 and i exactly it's just getting past that that little bit and then you know hopefully getting to the clients that you know love to work with you and the price point isn't yeah isn't the main you're solving a pain point yeah yeah the problem is is more of an issue the price isn't for we need to solve the problem yeah the the analogy i use um and it may work may not work but if you're going to a doctor and let's say, you know, your brother, sister, mom, yourself has a heart issue. Yeah. You wouldn't walk into the the walk-in clinic down the road. And even if you did walk into the walk-in clinic, what happens? You're you're waiting for hours. You're putting your name down on the chart, you know, uh, and, and the doctor may not be the specialist. You're going to go to the heart surgeon. The heart surgeon, one, gets paid a lot more to fix whatever heart problem it is, um, to look into it and to analyze it. Uh, their lineup is months. You can't just, there's no walk-in. Their lineup is months and they have a list of, you know, and they're the expert. So are you going to take your work to your problem to the generalist or to the expert? Yeah. So the, the, I think the lesson is to become the expert in that niche. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And then that, that, uh, another thing I wanted to touch base on is, you know, with, uh, and I've just noticed this even just kind of for myself is like, there's the business side and then there's the, the passion side, mm. you know, the, I can't got into this because I'm passionate about it. And I feel like, you know, over the last couple of years of just me ramping up on, on work, um, that I'm now not doing 
the thing that I've got it gone into, you know, like I'm not filming every day. Like now I'm in meetings. Now I'm coming up with, you know, documents and yeah. doing all the back end administration work, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. So I, I feel like, you know, th there are the artists, the filmmakers, the creatives, the designers who are really good at what they do and, and they, they want to scale or they want to work with a company um, or maybe they want to go and branch off on their own one day. Mm -hmm. But I feel like what they might not realize is that if you do do your own thing, that it comes with all this baggage that you might not want to do, you might not be good at um and you might not thrive in and for me personally like i'm actually enjoying this side of things which right. i never thought i would it's kind of weird <laughs> yeah i enjoy working with clients and figuring it out and it's almost getting to that point where i could adapt to either like i'm okay getting my hands dirty and getting into the and filming and doing stuff because that's what i've always been good at mm -hmm. but now i'm starting to learn this side of things and i'm enjoying learning this side um, you know, for you in your experience, you know, obviously you starting off with the, the web design and, and kind of that side of things. And now you're, you know, working your business and it has all this stuff. On the so admin side of things. How or, did you like, you know, that passion as you yeah. will, you started off with a passion, but now you veered into this, it is, 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 you've created this whole yeah. organism of 12 <laughs> creative, which now it has its own problems and its own things. Right. Yeah. How does that, how do you. So going back to our last question, which kind of relates to this question, is when you can charge uh, what you want to charge at, at a dollar amount that works, that actually leaves you less of um, a back up against the wall feeling, which allows you to actually take on projects that you you want to take. For example, if if you can, you know, charge X Y Z for videos uh, that are profitable, and not like you know hundred dollar videos, ten of them, you can do one for ten thousand dollars. Let's call it. It gives you the flexibility and time, not only put the resources to that project, but now you have resources to take on passion projects. For example, doing videos for nonprofits that mean a lot to you for free. Mm. Um, and you find meaning and, and you find you know value in doing all these projects that are helping the community, if that's what you love, right? Yeah. Which I know you love. Um, but because you're able to, to get paid right for these other projects, you're able to have the flexibility and the, and the resources to do these other ones for, for nothing, if that's what you want to do, right? To, yeah. help, to help others in, in need. Um, on the second side of things, when you talked about you know, internal you know, um, departments, let's say, um, you have to choose what works best for you, you know, and, and take on, you know, I might not be the, soup, the most detailed-oriented person, but we have team members who are. Um, and I might not be the best, you know, let's say, visual identity logo designer, but we have team members that are. And the, I might be really good at working with clients when they're not, or mm -hmm. it could be vice versa. Yeah. So it, it it often starts the story like how you you know you mentioned it, where it's the creative starts freelancing, but it could be that you're just super passionate at making videos, creating storyboards, and telling that story, and that's completely fine. And now you have to create a business out of it. Uh, and if you don't like the admin kind of things, I know that's always. What happens is the entrepreneur is a one-man shop, you know, and they start doing the accounting or whatever the stuff is. But what, what could happen is if you focus on what you do best that actually is best suited for the company, which is you could shift all your focus to accounting and, and client work, whatever. But if your videos are, are taking a hit on the other side of things, your product quality goes down yeah. and your reputation goes down, right? Yeah, yeah. You have to put your energy and focus to what you 
do best for the company to help move it forward. Right. And it, it could be if you're a logo designer, you just stick to designing the best logos possible. Bring in a part-time accountant and a mm. part-time account manager and all those because you may not be good at those things. And even though you love learning about it, you know, Sarah or Johnny or whoever is 10 times better than you at that. Yeah. And but you're the best at making logos. Stick to what you're good at. That will always bring that, you know, forward. Yeah. Yeah. One, one other question I have, especially in the marketing side of things, and, and I know a lot of creatives will get some value out of this, is the, you know, pricing your projects, right? Especially in the creative space. And in videos, it's it's always, like you said, the budgets are <laughs> crazy, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, how does how does a creative or any anyone who has a has a a, a skill set and they have to put a price point on it and the value a value on it and present it to a client and sit across from the table and say, you know, Eric, this 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 design is gonna, you know, be ten thousand dollars and just say it with a straight face, right? <laughs> and maybe they're not comfortable at getting to a point like that, right? Right right now they're comfortable, you know, a hundred dollars for a video. Yeah, but, where, you know, but where'd they get the hundred dollars from? Mm, yeah. Is that something society is giving us? Mm, right? Yeah. That, and that's 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 what my, my question is is how does you know you have a certain amount of quote unquote value in your head of like, okay, what I produce I think is a hundred dollars. If I just do ten of these, you know, a month, you know, I, you know, as a starting, I think I'll be good. Versus like you said, you why don't you do one of those? Exactly. <laughs> so how does how does one get to that point of being okay because i know i when i first started i had that resistance too feeling i'm not ready yet to charge this much for one video yeah um you know is there you know maybe provide some advice on that <laughs> front how do you get to that point of charging not only fairly but more than fair for your services yeah it's so funny um i think i don't know it's a mentality you kind of grew up with as well too and maybe i got some of this side from my mom well, we we make sandwiches at our restaurant. She's like, sandwich is four dollars because people shouldn't have to pay more than four dollars. I'm like, mom, a McDonald's like burger is like eight dollars. You know yeah, what I mean? You're yeah. you're making an artisan sandwich with like you know whatever. She's like, no, I feel bad. You know, I feel bad. Yeah. Um, um, but but I think where we go back to where did you get the hundred dollars from? Is that mm. something you came up with? Is that what's standard? Are you seeing that on like Fiverr or wherever you're seeing those other things? Right. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of times people do a couple things. One, they ask around to their peer group, which is probably other freelancers. They, what are you charging? What are you charging? What are you charging? And they're all like, uh, 100, 150. Like, okay, I'm going to go with 100. I'm going to go a little bit under what everybody else is so I can get the work. Yeah. yeah. That's wrong. Yeah. I, I'm still learning to this day, right? <laughs> but I think what you have to do is one, charge what's fair and over deliver the value mm. the other way around versus cutting it and cutting and cutting it because really a hundred dollars how much resources do you have but if you were getting paid you know five thousand for that video well now you could bring in you know the sound professional you have the you can you can rent or buy the equipment that will make that video that much better you can bring in you know makeup models actor whatever that may be where before you had none of that and you were just yeah. working so your end product is a lot better yeah um but yeah, you find what works best for you in terms of pricing. Um, but also don't just ask your peer group, find out what like, you know, industry standard is, but not just like other freelancers. Well, what are agencies charging, you know? And it's, it's we, we you know, we just got a quote for photos back, you know, it was out of town thing. So we were just looking at other resources. You know, a lot of quotes came in at 
you know, $500 for some social media shoots for the day. Um, and we got one back in an email it was Friday and they were like, it's $15,000 for a half day shoot for photos for social wow. media. Like $15,000. How come everyone else is 500 and that one's 15,000? Yeah. Um, but then they must be doing something right because they have a whole list of clients they work with. They're yeah. comfortable of breaking down the whole shoot for half a day for $15,000. Yeah. And they wouldn't be pricing that out to that price if they weren't getting clients at that price. Exactly. It almost yeah. like opened up my mind. Like, you know, um, you know, so once you start seeing what the reality of things are out there, yeah, um, then then it's you know, it yeah, opens up your mind. So no, I agree with that. I agree with that. And I think it's 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 just kind of almost habit or like you said, peer group, uh, you know, looking around, seeing what other people are doing, maybe pricing a little less. And like you said, I totally agree with yeah. that. I think that strategy is 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 garbage. A lot of things that people say not to do um, is work for free. I, I actually say the opposite. So mm-hmm. um, if you have no experience, and you don't have a portfolio, you're not confident about billing out XYZ for the client. You're going to start at 100 bucks because you think that's a fair small number. Just give me the work. I'll, I'll prove myself. But what you could also do is reach out to your peer group in terms of family, friends, whichever with businesses. Well, let's do a couple you know, videos, logos, projects, websites, whatever that may be Yeah, for free, but with the ability to put that in your portfolio, let's say, yeah. um, you might actually be able to get a bigger name brand or whatever that may be, because, you know, what's the, what's the loss of them? You know, you can say, Hey, I'm going to do a video for you. It may take a couple hours. Uh, you love it. You can have it and use it as long as I get to use it in your portfolio or my portfolio. And maybe you do a testimonial, but if you don't like it, there's no harm. No fun. Don't worry about it. But if you're awesome creative, like most of these creatives are, it looks awesome. They use it. Then you're able to use it in your portfolio. Now, when you're going to the next person, and you could do this multiple times, and we still do this ourselves. Yeah. And then when you go to that next client, you say, hey, you know, my price point is this. Here's the work to back it up. Yeah. And here's how I would actually over deliver this. So you're actually getting the value off that dollar amount, you know? Yeah. yeah you know, yeah, yeah. you'll get XYZ more here or there, whatever that may be, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, I think if you're confident in your own abilities and you've proven that throughout, whether that is uh, free work, whether that is portfolio work, whether you've done the video for 50 bucks or for free, I think if, if you know what you bring to the table and you're confident that you can produce, and you have the team members or people that you work with that you know that you can produce, then at that point, I think it's, I think it's fair to say you can either increase, uh, you know, your price point or figure out something that actually works. Um, but it takes the reps, right? You know, it, takes it, the took, reps. It, it took me years to f- be completely confident in all aspects of production because I did every video you can imagine. I've done commercials, weddings, music estate, videos, music videos, <laughs> my own projects, yeah. right? podcasting, etc. So like in any realm, in any situation that I walk into, I'm completely comfortable in in my feeling of yeah i can probably do this but and and then the flip side if we get like you said the sound guy or you get somebody else another expert other filmmakers involved other maybe companies that you can partner up with okay now we can do something special or we can do we can take it to the next level yeah but but it takes those reps i think i was just gonna say repeat that it takes the reps it always takes the reps you can't go to the gym and deadlift 300 pounds or whatever, you know, you can't bench, you know, three plates on each side just off the get. It takes those reps for you to get there for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I wanted to now pivot back to something you said earlier on the pod, um, which was 
Um, you had this story about getting kidnapped? Yeah, I can go to that a little yeah, bit. <laughs> I, I want to know what that kind of that story was and, and maybe maybe touch on that if you're if you're comfortable with it. Yeah. Um a couple things. Yeah. Um so it's something I have in my mantra daily and I kind of write down it's that I'm I'm grateful to be here today. You know, whether it be today, waking up in the morning, being here with you, you know, just living the life I life now because I think at that point in time, I didn't know it yet. And it didn't hit me till actually more recently. But my life could have really changed, you know, in an instant. Um, when I was young, I lived in Papua New Guinea, which is not the safest place. I lived there for a couple of years while my parents, you know, had a business there before they moved to Canada. Um, and, and, you know, when I say accidentally kidnapped, you know, they didn't mean to take me on purpose, but they meant to take the car. It just so happens they didn't see the little me in the car. So um, what happened was, you know, I was going out somewhere with my dad and maybe running an errand or whatever that may be. Our, our, our building, you know, where our grocery store and we lived above the grocery store at that time is fenced off where the parking area is. So he pulled up, left the car running, opened the, fe- opened the gate uh, to the, to, you know, where we can go from the driveway must have forgot something inside the house or inside the store left me in the car with the key in the car for a second i'm not mad at him for it (laughs) but i now know not to do that too of course right but he ran in for a second but it just took that split second where someone saw a running car you know in a high crime area neighborhood and they're like this is a running car and i think about that car again now it was like a 1984 honda prelude red Pretty cool for my dad at the time. Uh, <laughs> um, jumps in the car and drives off. What? Yeah. So here I am, a four-year-old or a four or five-year-old kid. Like, what is happening here? You know? Oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, so, um, you know, the training I had at the time when moving there was my mom was like, well, here's your address. Here's your phone number. Just remember these things. And you're four, you know? Wow. Uh, it, it, you know, what you're thinking about when you're four years old. But, like... So I, I now went into this mode that luckily my parents kind of prepped me for. I'm like, hey, please drop me off somewhere. You know, I, I didn't panic. I just didn't know what was happening. Someone else is driving off with this car speeding away. Right. Wow. I was like, drop me off at the police station. Like what? <laughs> uh, obviously, they did not. Right. Because yeah. they just literally stole a car. Yeah. <laughs> wow. So they dropped me off on the side of the road. Um so here I am, uh, you know, in, in a rough area, uh, you know, little kid, four years, four old. years old, little age, uh, you're probably in a t-shirt, you know, stranded in the middle of who knows where, nowhere. Oh my God. That's very strange to be, you know, uh, you can imagine third world country, you know, um, how that is. It's very, you know, it's very strange to have a little child in the middle of nowhere in the, yeah. in the middle, when it was dark too. I remember it was dark. Um, and then. Uh, and then some random other people pick me up in what I remember in my mind now, kind of like those like V-dub, kind of like uh, Westphalia type vans, you know, those like camping vans. Oh, wow. <laughs> I don't know. It was old slide door opens. Um, they pick me up and I'm like, oh, no, this can't be good either. <laughs> right? <laughs> oh so they pick God. me up and I'm like, OK, here's my address. Here's my phone number. Here's my address. Here's my phone number. And and I remember now I look back, it's probably like, you know, younger, you know, younger people, uh, maybe in their 20s at the time or whatever. They dropped me off back at the address. 
So my mom comes out screaming, of course. And it probably wasn't that long. It's probably like within, you know, the hour, let's say. Yeah. But to a parent who I'm a parent of, a you know, two little girls now, one minute feels like an hour of, especially in a very dangerous place, you know? Yeah. Um, so at that time, now that I look back, I feel like things could have went a couple of ways, you know, and I joke about it now, but I could have been either sold to slave labor, which is very, very common at four years old. My life, who knows where I'd be? I could be dead now or it could be some like kingpin drug lord or who knows what, you know, like I could have worked my way up the ranks yeah. in this like crime, you know, uh, syndicate, you know, <laughs> or I could be dead, you know, and I could be dead. Um and I think that didn't really hit me until I was traveling in Asia once and I came out of a nightclub early mornings as we did when we were young. And and, and there was a really young four-year-old, five-year-old trying to pan uh, like cigarettes and and buy, you know, things on. They just grew up to, and they, they keep pushing you to buy off them. They use their kind of at that time cuteness, but they become more aggressive. And if you don't buy whatever, they start, you know, actually hitting you. And they're little tiny kids, right? But the, whoever is owns them, right, which is horrible is sitting somewhere, you know, so you can't just like shoo them away because someone's watching them and, you know, that could have been me, you know, like uh, I could have been part of this thing where I was just like made to do that my whole life. But here I am sitting in this beautiful studio with you telling the story, having, you know, the privilege of, you know, being here in Canada and, and having the family I do, you know. Yeah. So that uh, I'm really grateful for, for today and for being here i just feel like that 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 one moment within that one hour it could have been night night and day that's in, that's yeah that's such an insane story <laughs> like i mean even with you unknowing your address and your phone number at that young age like i don't i know when i was that age i had no clue my, of my whereabouts or yeah. not so kudos to your parents or your mom to be like hey like if something happens here's your address here's your yeah. phone number like that that kind of I mean, even all everything that just kind of that you said like that's 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 crazy. Yeah, I couldn't even <laughs> I know, and it didn't really hit me till like later on, you know, in life. And I was like, wow, when I start, you know, studying more and thinking more and being more grateful and learning about being present and all that. It's like, wow, that this, that could really change my life. So wow. when I think about like when people are like, I'm striving and hustling and for all the the you know i want everything i want the the cars the mm. business the house you know everything that instagram is really putting out there now you know yeah um and i heard this recently on a different a pod it's you know just the um when you think about you know your loved ones let's say your mom your dad you know is is your is your you know mom or dad here now and you're like yeah you know if if your mom and dad were sick tomorrow and they needed you know, um, you know, a, a liver transplant or they needed something medically, would you give up everything for them? Mm. Would you, you know, if they were in the hospital and needed everything you had, you'd have to sell everything, give up your business, give up everything you had for your mom to survive, like everything. Would yeah. you do it? Yeah, absolutely. So you already have everything, mm. right? So yeah. you already have everything that you need right yeah. here and now. If you really give everything for that one thing, you already have yeah. everything. Wow. So that really hit me hard. I thought that was yeah, that was something. That's a big that's a really good perspective. Yeah. Really good analogy too. Like yeah, sometimes especially in this Western society, the hustle and bustle of, you know, the individual striving and hustling and doing things, I think you kind of get caught up in that and you don't realize that 
you know, the most important things are in front of you and maybe you don't see it. You yeah. know what I mean? You just until it's gone. Until it's gone. Yeah. Yeah. So no, I appreciate, I appreciate it. First off, I appreciate you sharing that story, Eric. It's, it's, that's very powerful. Yeah. Um, and I can see how that kind of has translated into your life and kind of the, 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 just into your business and kind of who you are just sitting across from me, man. So I, I just want to take the time to appreciate you and, and, um, and appreciate that story because I think it puts that in perspective. Yeah. Thanks so bit. much. Um, kind of wrapping up the pod, uh, talking to, like we, we usually ask this question to all of our guests. Mm-hmm. And uh, the question is, uh, what, what does it mean to be on the second floor? And, and kind of, you know, talking about that analogy is, is kind of going the opposite of what you just talked about <laughs> is, is that constant, you know, strive to, to get to the next level. And, and you know, me and Kenny, and the individuals we bring on the, onto this platform um, are always constantly striving, striving to be better personally in their life, in their health, in their business. And we hope to provide, you know, some perspective and some of that value from the stories that our guests share. And so for you in your life, and it could be anything, what does it mean to be on the second floor or maybe get to that next, that next level in, in life? in health or in business. Yeah, I, I love that wrap up question. It's um, it's not, it doesn't have to be a monetary or a, a material goods thing, right? Getting to that second floor or getting to that betterment of yourself, whether that being more present or or learning more or taking that time um, is, is super, super important, right? Tomorrow, tomorrow is never promised, right? And so I feel like if you're, you know, one, I write this down in my journal, it's, a, it's my duty to be the best every single day for myself, for my family, and for those around me. Um, so being the best could be health, it could be running the business, it could be uh, just spending time with your with your loved ones, but it's my duty. So if I'm living now and I'm here today, if I'm not living my best self or striving to get to that second floor and get better, not only for myself, but for those around me, isn't it fair for your family that you work and be your best self? It's not fair to those around you if you are not getting better, right? And what's the point of living if you're not if you're not growing? Mm. Um, so I think about I think about those things uh, every day, yeah. um, and usually it's when your backup is against the wall, when you're you know outside of your comfort zone, is then when those big aha moments and these big steps happen that are those experiences in life that you can talk about in the future that really help propel you forward whatever that may be and it could be as simple as running your first kilometer to the 5k to the 10k you know i know your crew does a lot of running too um when you when you see that that's actually possible one i think about things what i heard and it could be right or not right the other person who did it already, they're just as human as you. They have the same 24 hours in the day as you do. Now, why is it not possible? Instead of thinking why, it's like, why not? You know? Mm-hmm. Um, but when you're when you're back up against the wall and you're trying to push out your side of your comfort zone, that's you know, uh, what everyone says, where the magic, where the magic happens. And um, that's growing, you know, in life. Yeah. I love that answer, man. Well, uh eric man i appreciate you coming on and, and chopping it up yeah with me. thanks so much for having me it's been uh it's been a long time coming uh i just wanted to add you know t- you know take the time now to add your social media if someone wants to get in touch with you if any creatives uh anyone 
um, you know, plug in your socials here. Yeah, you can mostly find me on um, on Instagram at ericchang.12. Uh, on LinkedIn, you can add me. Feel free to shoot me, you know, uh, DM, message, whatever there be on any of those. And I'm, I'd be happy to reach reach out and say hi. Yeah. Amazing. Well, thanks, man, for yeah. coming on to the second floor. I appreciate you. Yeah, it's a pleasure being here today. Yeah. All right. That's awesome. a wrap. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks, man. Great. Appreciate awesome, you. Man. Appreciate Love you. It. Yeah.